As we come now to the scripture, let me ask you, please, uh, to pray with me. Uh, Our gracious Father, um, to know that Jesus um, is the word become flesh and dwelt among us. The very revelation of God to us, your communication to us, who you are. how human beings are to come into relationship with you, to be reconciled to you. Uh, He reveals all of that. And not only does he reveal it as the truth, but he also accomplishes it for us that we might be rescued. And so we're grateful. And to have your word then written for us as well, that we can have it before us and read, is a gift. It's a gift uh, for which we have few words even uh, to express our gratefulness. But perhaps this, perhaps the gratefulness that we express is by reading it and listening to it and believing it. How else could we show that we're grateful for this word that you've given to us? So now I pray that even as we read it, that you would be gracious to us, to bring it to light in our minds and our hearts, that you would overcome any resistance we have to believing it, and and you would enable us to embrace it fully, and that our thanksgiving would then be expressed to you in faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn please to Luke in chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I want to read verses 8 through 14. Luke chapter 2, please. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And together we say, the grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I want, if God will help me to take up just this verse 14, this is glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is, he is pleased. Last Sunday, I'm grateful to, to uh, Ryan and Chad and, and Rick, um, for their messages last week, as Karen and I had to be away, but 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 last week they they took up this theme of of shepherds, um, how it is that 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 the, the the announcement is so fantastic, the announcement of the birth of Jesus came to shepherd to these despised shepherds. You know, God's value system is is so different than ours. Uh, we would come to the attractive to the influential, uh, to the wealthy, to the important, to make such an announcement. But God doesn't do that. 
God goes contrary to all of that, and he goes to these despised ones, really. Despised these shepherds because they, they could never worship on the Sabbath because they were always busy tending the sheep. And they were uh, known to be a rather unscrupulous group of people, uh, rather untrustworthy, so much so that they couldn't be used as witnesses in courts of law. Well, what's interesting is that the, the, the two primary witnesses to who Jesus really is could not, in the culture in which they lived, give testimony. Shepherds and women. Shepherds at the birth of Jesus, women at the resurrection of Jesus. That helps make the story credible. Nobody would, 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 would make up a story like that and think anybody would buy it in the days in which it was written. But these shepherds uh, were like that. But, 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 but it's so good, isn't it, that they were able to receive this message and, and come to see the Lord Jesus, even as a baby, Emmanuel, God with us. Because we know that we're like them. There's no reason at all that God should make himself known to us, but we, we have nothing to give to him. We, it would impress him that he should value us to give us this gift of knowing Jesus, but he, but he does. So it helps us there, this, these shepherds. And we know that, that it took place in time. These were real people. It's a real point in time. I didn't read the, the part that precedes this, but, but in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus and all of this, a real person, Quirinius, a real governor of Syria, a real place, Joseph, a real person, Mary, a real person, Bethlehem, a real place, Nazareth, a real place, uh, a real point in time on this particular day. It really, really happened. Uh, this child was, 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 really, was really born, you see. And it's, again, just fantastic to me that, that 700 years before the birth of Jesus, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And I always scratch my head and say, well, then why did you pick a woman who was in Nazareth? It would have been so much more economical, so much easier. Couldn't have you found a young maiden in Bethlehem and just said, just go across the street and have this baby? Rather than travel 90 miles, uh, almost a week-long journey, grueling while you're pregnant, I'm ready to have a baby. All the women are going, why did that way? We we don't quite know, other than the fact that he tells us that I'll get it done my way. And I can even cause a emperor who simply wants more tax money to gather all the people together so that my prophecies can be fulfilled. He was born in Bethlehem. Notice this announcement of the shepherds, I mean, the angels to the shepherds. They said, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It's good news. It's epic news. And that little expression, good news, we know. We talk about gospel. And what it means that, that this news isn't like any other news. This news changes everything. 
It was a word that would be used if a, if a king won a battle and the announcement would, made, would be made, it would be declared as good news. This battle changes everything for us. Or, or if a, 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 a child was born to the king, a son was born to the king, it would be announced as good news. Why? Why? Because this changes everything. We, we now have this prince. He's going to grow and be the next king. This changes everything. This is so important. And now he says, this, this news of the birth of this child changes everything. It's, it's good news. And it's going to be great joy for all people, not just for people in Israel, but for people over the whole world for all generations. This is great news. It's going to bring great joy. There'll be great rejoicing because of the birth of this child. So fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy there'll be for all people. For unto you... That's a strange birth announcement. Usually, if you get a birth announcement in the mail from a family, it says, unto Mary and Joseph. But not unto you, this child's for you. This child's for you. This child comes to you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Meaning here's the one who's come to rescue you. He's not come just to be a good example. Oh, he's that. But he's more than that. He hasn't come just to, just to show you something, to show you how to live in such a way that God will accept you. That, that wouldn't help us if he, he could show us all day long. But, but we can't do it, you see. So he says, no, he's going to come to rescue you. He's going to come to save you. You can't do this on your own. You can't do this by yourself. Uh, somebody's got to do it for you. He's going to come and do it. He's going to come and save you. He's going to come and rescue you. Not simply be a good example. Not simply teach you. But he's going to actually do something. That you need. Because you're in bondage. You can't get out. You're enslaved and you can't get out. You're dead. You have no life. He's going to come and he's going to actually do it. He's the savior. He's going to save you, you see. And if you've ever sinned and you know that, 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 that you uh, are under the condemnation of God and if you've ever sinned and experienced the misery of it and, and know how stuck you are in it, having a savior, you see, is great news. Is great joy. And he's Christ. That's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Messiah. And the ones who were Messiahs and Christ, that word, it means anointed ones. And in the old covenant, the anointed ones were prophets and priests and kings. Prophets were anointed because they would speak on behalf of God the truth. And here's one who is the prophet because he is in himself the truth. He speaks it. He lives it. He is the truth, you see. He's completely reliable. Everything he says, everything he does, you can take. This is from God. He's the prophet, you see. And he's the priest. And priests represent the people to God. If you want to think about the difference between a prophet and a priest, you realize that the prophet's Face the people and speak from God. Priests, on the other hand, face God on behalf of the people. So if you want to think of a prophet, think of his face. If you want to think of a priest, think of his back. All right? And and there you have it. And so the, the priest makes intercession. He stands on behalf of the people before God. And he... he he offers sacrifice and he says, forgive them, you see. And that's, that's Jesus, you see. 
He comes as the Christ. The author of Hebrews uh, says it. I I read this morning in response to our um, confession to help give us assurance, this passage from Hebrews 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that is flesh and blood, so he could be a priest for us. He could stand for us, as us, if you will. That uh, through Death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and del- deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And so you see, as our priest, he makes sacrifices in such a way that we may be freed from the penalty and the power, the enslavement of sin. Verse 16, for surely it's not angels that he helps. I don't really need our help, especially the ones who had fallen, but, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful, merciful because he understands us. He gets it. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows our weaknesses. Merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation, that is, to make a sacrifice in such a way that it atones for our sins, that it exhausts the wrath of God, that it pays the penalty sufficiently, completely, a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's also able to help those who are being tempted. And so he helps us in every way, pays for our sins. And then when we are being tempted, we can go to him and say, help us please, knowing that he gets it, he understands it. And he's faced temptation. And he's faced it all the way through. He didn't sin. So he knows how to get all the way through it. Without sin, that's the kind of help we need. I appreciate when I share my sins with you and you empathize with me and you go, yeah, me too. It doesn't help me that much. But when I go to him and he says, I know how that is to be tempted. Here's the way of escape. I know that too. I know how to keep from sinning. Oh, that's helpful. I get it both ways. The empathy... And the help. So verse 14 of chapter 4. Since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confessions. If we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we yet without sin, then let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And so this priest is great, you see. In chapter 7, the author of Hebrews uh, contrasts Jesus, our high priest, with the human priests. And he said, well, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds this priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And so we're always safe as long as he lives We're okay because he's always our high priest. He's always making intercession for us. He's always defending us. He's always caring for us. He's always helping us. He'll never stop. And and you see, oh, he's the the savior who rescues. He's the Christ, you see. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the king. He's come to conquer sin and death. He is the Lord, he is God with us. 
Emmanuel. There's a wonderful juxtaposition uh, here in verse 13 and verse 15. Verse, I mean, verse 11 and verse 15. Verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior is Christ the Lord. And then over in verse uh, 15, it says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds called to one another, saying, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Wait a minute. You've got Christ the Lord here in this major, but then you also have the Lord of glory, the Lord in heaven, making something known about the Lord who's on earth. And you go, well, where is he? Is he in heaven or is he on earth? And, and the answer is yes. Right? And the Lord and the Lord. Ah, oh, God with us. He's the Lord, the sovereign, sovereign one over all things, you see. It's so important to us is just getting this. So important is getting this because, you see, so often when we tell people about Jesus, they say something to us like, oh, that's just a matter of interpretation. That's just your interpretation. We go, well, we have these angels. And the word angel just simply means messenger. And these are messengers from God. And so this is what they said. You don't have to take my word. These messengers from God said, that this is, he's the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And there they were. And this great announcement. I, I, I'm sure you thought about this last week with, with, um, with the men who preached. Uh, uh, forgive me for going back over the same territory, but, but it's fascinating to me and helpful to, to just come into what I need to say this morning. But... But could you just imagine being these shepherds? I mean, what was it like? All of a sudden, you're just kind of doing what you always do. And then this one angel appears, you know, in the sky or wherever around you and starts talking to you about this birth of this child. You go, okay. And then it's like all of the heavens light up. And, 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 and suddenly, meaning just we didn't expect this, it just happened, just suddenly, just out of the dark, uh, this heavenly host. Now, when we think of heavenly host, uh, I don't know about you, but I, in my little coloring book when I was a kid, these angels, they didn't look too scary. I never could figure out why anybody would say fear not. But, 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 but the heavenly host literally means the army of God's angelic, Messengers. It's, it's an army. It, it, this, this is a fighting group of people. Um, angels, not people. A fighting group of angels, if you will. And, and, and so that's what we're seeing here. And all of a sudden, this, this, this huge, it must have been multitude. The Bible uses that word uh, to mean more than you can count. A multitude of the heavenly host uh, praising God and, and, and saying... Um, it's it's sort of like I've read about Greek dramas, and often in a Greek drama there's a chorus, and and the chorus in the Greek drama is explaining everything that's happening. If you listen to the what they're singing, there you're kind of learning what's happening, and there's a sense in which the 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 heavenly host is like this chorus, if you will, in this drama that's saying this this is what this means, 
This is what this means. And, and so they lay it out like this. They say it means glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, what's taking place here, what these angels are trying to tell you, this angel told you, is that there's two things going on. One is there's glory to God and peace to human beings. Glory to God, peace to human beings. God's glory is being revealed in the birth of this child, so much so that we're to praise him for it. That's the sense of it. You see his glory, you see his greatness, you see his majesty in the birth of this child. Now I know for us, sadly, Christmas comes, we're rather ho-hum about the whole thing, we get mixed up in so many different things, and we, we sort of really even miss it, don't we? I do. Miss it. This is the glory of the Lord. And the birth of this child, the birth of this child changes everything. He's come to rescue. He is the very truth of God, the prophet of God. He's the priest of God. He's the intercessor. He's the sacrifice. He's the reconciler. He's the bridge builder between us and God. He's the king who rules over everything. He's the Lord. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us, you see. It changes everything that, that this child, you see, is, is born and and and. And the angel said that this is the, we should, the response is that we can't contain ourselves. I mean, I, I don't know much about angels. But you get this sense when you read through the scripture, especially passages like this, is they're just waiting all the time. They saw creation after they were created. They saw the f- Eden in its purity. They saw sin. They wondered what's going to happen. They knew the promises of God. They were messengers various times in various places for God through the old covenant. And they're just waiting. They, they get it. They understand what's going to happen. Uh, if all they had was just knowing the old covenant, some of which they proclaimed, uh, they'd be waiting for this Messiah to come. And now they realize this is happening. This is it. And, 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 and it's sort of like this baby is born in obscurity and nobody's getting it. So they're saying, we just got to go tell them. We just got a bust out of heaven. And so here they are uh, uh, in the night sky, brightening it all up. Just glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And I just wonder how long it lasted, you know. Was this just that long? And then boom, it was gone. And the poor shepherd's going, what was that? You know? Did you see that? I mean, just, oh. And, and so they said, we, we got to go check this out because we all saw this. And so let's go check this out. Make sure it's really true what they said. But, but you see, in this announcement by, these, by the one angel, the response isn't just by one angel. It's interesting. Like one angel makes the announcement, but then to respond to that requires everybody, every, all the other angels, it seems. There's multitude of them. That's how great what the one angel said and he said, this is what this means. Glory to God in the highest. This one who comes is the very glory of God. So much so, you see, that uh, we need to praise him for it. What does that mean, really? It, it means that we need to treasure above all else, value above all else, this one who was born. That for us, he is everything. So, when he says, trust me, then we should trust him. 
When he says, love me more than you love your father and mother, more than you love your wife or your husband, more than you love your children, more than your own life. That is to say, value me above all of those other relationships. We should say, yes, of course. Glory to you, the very glory of God. And, 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 and so I, I should value you more highly than anything and everything. You deserve all of my worship, all of my praise. When he says, deny yourself, not deny stuff to yourself so much, but to deny yourself and even all your ambitions and all your passions and all your desires, deny them. Take up your cross, that is, they put to death this particularly sinful self, follow me so that my desires are yours, my passions are yours. We should say, well, of course. Because you're, you're greater than I am. Why should I follow me? Why should I follow my desires? Why should I follow my passions? Why should I consider my thoughts? No, no, I'm willing to to follow you because you're supreme over everything. That's the point of it. Glory to God in the highest. He's so glorious. We praise him with every ounce of our being and all that we are. When he says, come to me, oh, you are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. We'll say, of course, I'll leave all behind and follow you to get that rest. When he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, that is, be my disciple. It means I take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Be, I'll follow you. We go, of course, of course, who else would I follow? But this glorious one, you see. When he says, I'm the bread of life, um, you can't live without me. We say, well, come to me and feed me. When he says, I'm the light of the world, uh, he says, you can't see without me. And so we go to him. We said, may we see everything through you, you see. When he comes and he says, I'm the door, we say, oh, of course, you're the only way to the Father. I'll go through you into the very presence of God. When he says, I'm the good shepherd, then, then we say, of course, I will follow you as you lead and you guide because you're the good shepherd. You take me to all the good pasture places and all the places of rest and every place where I need. And even if you take me through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to be afraid because you're with me. You see, he says, of course, I'll follow you because you're glorious. You're the very glory of God. And I treasure you. That's what this means, to treasure him above everything else. And when he says that I'm the resurrection and the life, we realize, of course you are. And therefore, I will trust so that even though I die, yet I know that I live. And if he, when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, we go, of course, I'll follow you because you're the only way to the Father. You're the only truth concerning him. You're the only life that can possibly be given. When he says, I'm the true vine, we say, of course, I will get my strength, my sustenance, everything from being united to you. I'll trust in you. That's what it means, you see. So the angel's saying, you need to understand what's just taken place. The very glory of God has come upon us. I know it doesn't look like just a baby. But the very glory of God has come upon us. You see, everything changes now. Treasure him above everything else. And if you do, you see, these two things are connected. You can't have peace without treasuring him. There's no peace without praising him in the richest and deepest sense of that term. 
when Jesus comes, he, he knew himself to be the Prince of Peace. He had this self-identity, understood it. In fact, I'd read in various passages of Scripture that Jesus knew that he was, to, he was to be this peace. For instance, in John chapter 14, as he's leaving his, um, <clears throat> about to leave his disciples and go to the cross, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, uh, do I give it, that not your hearts be troubled. And then later on that same evening, he says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And then later, after he's resurrected, he comes to his disciples and he says to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you peace. He knew himself to be the giver of peace. And so the promise of this baby, you see, is that there would be peace. Now, there's some translation uh, issues in that little expression of uh, I grew up with the King James Version of the Bible. And so uh, for me and all the Christmas cards I got were uh, peace on earth and goodwill to men, right? Uh, and now we read in the ESV, uh, the translation, um, and peace uh, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You can see that little expression, a goodwill is now um, taken uh, with whom he is pleased. I think the NIV has something like on earth, peace among those on whom his favor rests. But, but they're all similar in the, in the sense that God's goodness has come. God's favor has come in this child. God's grace has come in this child. Now, now we get it confused, especially from the first one, the King James one, because we think what Christmas is all about is goodwill amongst each other. Goodwill among men. And so we say this is a time when we treat each other well. It should be a time when we treat each other well because we should treat each other well all the time. And there is a sense in which the coming of Jesus enables us, brings peace, should, enables us to treat each other well, honestly, for instance, kindly, compassionately, openly, transparently, all that. But, but we know this peace doesn't come to everyone. It comes to those upon whom God's favor comes, God's grace comes. We can understand something about this if you turn to Luke in chapter 10. This is a situation where Jesus is sending out various 172 disciples and uh, he talks to them about how they're to go to take this message And then in verse 5, he says, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, Uh, Go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Uh, Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. But with a sense is which peace comes to those who receive it. 
Peace comes to those who receive it. And this peace is varied, you say. It has great, deep dimensions. First and foremost, there's peace with God. That's the foundational peace of this peace. The foundational peace of this peace is peace with God. That's the foundational part. Without that, there can be no other kind of peace experienced longingly in anyone's heart and life. This peace. And we know, we know why it's necessary. We know there was peace between Adam and Eve and God until they sinned and they rebelled. And when they sinned and rebelled, so much happened, you see. Uh, their relationship with each other was changed and broken. Their relationship with God was changed and broken. Even their relationship with the earth was changed and broken, you see. Everything was turned on its ear. There would be no peace. Just angst, hostility, hostility between them and God, them and each other, anxiety in the course of their life. Because you see, that sin was essentially buying into what the tempter had said, which is, you can be like God. We were never meant to be like God like that, to take his place. And so that that caused hostility between us and God, because now we're competitors. We went it our way, not his way. And he's just, and it's unjust for us to reject him like that. Therefore, we fall under his condemnation and wrath. So we see the hostility there. Hostility amongst each other. Because now, we've got a bunch of little gods running around, all wanting it their way. All thinking they're right. All doing it their way, following their desires and their passions. And there's just conflict because of that. We see it globally amongst nations. We see it, uh, uh, we see it in cities. We see it in families, even in churches at times. There's all these little gods running around thinking that their way is the right way. And there's conflict, you see. And then anxiety within, because we were never meant to live like this. We were never meant thinking ourselves to be God, thinking ourselves to be the determiners of our own lives and our own destinies and all that. It's just such a lie. We were never meant to own that. And so there's great anxiety. If you think it all depends upon you, how can you sleep? How can you ever rest? How can that knot in your stomach that's there too often already not be there all the time. Unless you have to just live in this deception that I can do this. She says, no, there's peace, first peace with God. How's that come? It comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. How's that? Well, by his life and by his death. One of the most wonderful little expressions in the whole Bible are these two words put together. And the two words put together are always in my mind, I must confess, The two words, for, F-O-R, for us. He lived for us. He died for us. That is in our place. He took our place. And so when he obeyed, we obeyed. When he died, we died. So that we could be righteous in the sight of God, forgiven for us, you see. And therefore reconcile to God all who believe, all who trust in him. And then there's a sense that we can have peace within. You know the passage in Philippians. In chapter 4, where the apostle is speaking about, about prayer. And he says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why is that? Why does this peace come? Even this peace that surpasses understanding. By that it means you look into the situation and if you're being rational, at least apart from God, you think I'm sunk. <laughs> but then you pray. Nothing changes particularly in the circumstance, but you pray. How can you have peace in the midst of that? Because now there's a consciousness. There's an awareness. There's a consciousness. I've communed with God. He knows. Well, he knew anyway, but now I know that he knows. My situation, my circumstance, I know that he's heard me. I know that I belong to him. And you see, once we really grab a hold of that, once we know that, then that's where anxiety flees. Because I know I'm not alone. And I know that my aloneness... I'm sorry, I know that my not aloneness means not that you're just with me, which is fine, but that God is with me. And if he's for me, who can be against me? And he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us everything? Graciously give us all things, you see. Well, if he's with me, then I needn't be anxious. It may be painful, but I needn't be anxious. Because I know that he's with me, you see. And then peace with each other. Do you realize that all the things that bother us about each other won't bother us in glory? Now, I always think that that's because you're going to get better in glory. You'll be perfect, so you won't bother me so much. <laughs> and that's true. Uh, you will get better. But, 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 but it's probably because in glory... I'll realize really how much grace has been given to me and all my self-righteous judgments will go out the window because I'll realize I have no self-righteousness and I'm simply a sinner saved by grace. Well, I know that some now. I try to embrace that now and the Lord keeps impressing that upon me now but, but I still know my self-righteous judgments and that can cause hostility between me and others. And now this peace, you see, has been inaugurated. It's been started in my life. And so he says, now, Bill, live in this. You live in this as well to understand the grace that you've been given so that you can have peace and peace, you see, with each other. But we can't really know this peace, you see, without really genuinely Praising God without really genuinely seeing the glory of God in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. To see his glory, to see his greatness, you see. To see that he's the Savior, to see that he's the Christ, to see that he's the Lord, to see that he's everything, everything that I need and though I can treasure him. We always say that the worship is praising God for who he is, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, We're giving thanks for what he's done for us. And then in humble reliance upon the Holy Spirit, joyfully submitting to him in obedience, you see, to really follow after him. That's real worship. And it won't do anything until I see and savor this one who is God with us. May we see it here.
that on the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks, and after giving thanks, he took the bread, and after taking the bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And again, after giving thanks, as two he gave to his disciples, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And the apostle adds, as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we declare the Lord's death until he comes. What are we declaring? We're declaring glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased, among those upon whom his grace comes. And who are those? The ones who've received it. You know you've received his grace because you receive his grace. You receive Jesus. You believe in him. You trust in him. And so the question you see always, every day, every moment, do you believe this? Do you really believe this? It's the glory of Sundays, you see? We get to come together and we go, I do believe this. Here I am. Maybe on Tuesday I wondered, or Thursday I was confused, on Friday it was just... Today, I know, yes, I believe this. Here I am. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your kindness, your grace, your favor, the very good pleasure that you have in sending your son and saving sinners like us. Amazing. May we know your glory. May it work in us so much that we give you glory through our praise. And in the midst of it, that we know your peace. Oh, please, I pray, take this bread and this juice and set it apart in such a way that we know that we're in the very presence of the Prince of Peace and that you would bestow upon us deeper faith, sincerer faith, more honest faith, in such a way that we might know peace. Peace with you, of course. Peace within. And because we know the grace that we've been given, peace with each other. And this I pray in Jesus' name.